Today's episode covers a mysterious case, one that has a little conspiracy behind it, and a lot of questions surround this man's death. Was it a homicide? Was it an accident? And how exactly is this case connected to a U.S. president? I'm your host, Coy, and this is the story of Don Kemp. Paul Donald Kemp Jr., who went by Don, was born April 21st, 1947. While there isn't too much about his childhood, he worked in advertising on Madison Avenue in New York City. Now, pretty much just think the show Mad Men, which is based in the 1960s, 70s, around the same time frame that Don worked there. And the show also took place on Madison Avenue. Even with Madison Square Park and Madison Square Garden connecting to it, Madison Avenue became identified by the advertising industry during the 1920s. All of that to just show that it's a pretty well-to-do area. People that work there, they tend to make good money, and they live a high lifestyle. And Don, well, he lived that lifestyle as well. Then Don was involved in a pretty bad car accident which left him recovering physically for several years. During this recovery, his family noticed that he seemed a little bit different. Before the accident, he was all about the fast pace and high earnings in New York City. But after the accident, he started wanting a slower pace of life. He moved away from the materialistic things. He also began diving into history and began writing a book. And the topic of that book was Abraham Lincoln. Don had done a lot of research into Lincoln's assassination. Some people even believed that he became obsessed with writing this book, and all of his free time was devoted to it. In September of 1982, Don decided that he was going to leave New York City and move to a cabin in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where he would devote his time to research and writing his book. Now, Jackson Hole, it's just the name of the valley, but it's just above Lincoln County in Wyoming, which happens to be named after Abraham Lincoln. If there are any writers listening to this, I'm sure selling everything and moving to a cabin in the mountains to solely write, it sounds like a dream come true. Don sold just about everything that he had. The stuff that was left, he stuffed into his Chevy Blazer, and he began his road trip to Wyoming. On November 15, 1982, Don visited a museum in Cheyenne, Wyoming. While visiting the museum, he carried around his briefcase. Inside the briefcase were his diaries, address book, traveler's check, and his glasses that he was supposed to wear while driving. He was alone as he walked from exhibit to exhibit. At some point, he set down the briefcase, and he ended up leaving without it. Now, this alone sounds kind of like a spy movie why would you carry a briefcase around a museum for one and then leave it 
Even if it was left on accident, it's just an odd event to happen. But it really set the tone for the next events that happened. The following morning, on November 16, 1982, a state trooper came across a Chevy Blazer parked in the middle of the roadway off of the interstate in a very rural area. The closest town was 40 miles away. At first sight, one may think that the truck broke down, but as the trooper approached the truck, it was the opposite. The keys were in the ignition, the truck was still running, the driver's side door was open, and some items that were inside the truck were strung across the ground by the driver door. The truck was still packed with all of Don's belongings from his move. There wasn't even any room in the passenger seat where someone else could have been. The area where the truck was found, it was surrounded by several miles of prairie. The trooper would later go on to say that the entire scene just seemed surreal. He had never seen anything like it. A truck in the middle of nowhere with nothing but open fields around it, and the person just vanished. There was a single set of footprints in the snow, leading from the truck into a wide open field. The troopers, they were worried that the driver may have had some sort of mental break and began walking into the prairie. They called for additional resources and a helicopter to check the area. The troopers also began walking the field. After running the tag through their dispatch, they learned that the vehicle belonged to Don Kemp. Along the path of the footprints, there were a few signs of Don, including a duffel bag that had clothes, soap, and a teapot that was later confirmed to be his. Six miles away from the road, investigators came across an abandoned barn. Inside the barn were more signs of Don. Someone had recently been there, and there were materials that appeared to be used to try and start a fire, which was never actually started. There were also three socks, which were later also confirmed to be Don's. A deputy spent hours flying over the prairie, covering miles and miles, as well as investigators on the ground searching, but there were no signs of Don. The search would last three days, and then a blizzard came through, which is when the search was called off. Investigators believed that Don may have had a mental health issue and wandered into the prairie. They assumed that if he didn't die the first night from the cold, then it was almost impossible that he survived the blizzard. Don's mother, Mary, she had a different opinion. She said that Don didn't have any mental health issues. He did take medications, but as for pain management for his injuries from the car accident, he didn't take anything for mental health. She believed that he had been kidnapped for some reason, and the scene was staged, including the duffel bag and the footprints. And as odd as things seemed at the scene, this was just the beginning of the strange things. Alright, my goal is to make this a pretty fast ad. A couple years ago, I wrote a book called One Moment. It's about a guy named Micah. He never planned to return to his hometown in Florida, 
but things don't always go as planned. While he's back home, he's dealing with the mental, physical, and emotional impact of being in a war. He then meets Sarah, and she is escaping an abusive marriage. The two have an undeniable bond, and a relationship that begins. When the abusive ex finds out about this new relationship, he gets involved in their lives. While this puts a strain on the relationship, it's only the beginning, because dark secrets start to come out. And the truth is, maybe you never really know anyone. There are a few ways that you can get this book if you're interested. The Amazon link is in the show notes. If you just want the book, or you can join my Patreon community for $5 a month, you'll get two extra true crime episodes, a copy of One Moment, and a few other perks. That link is also in the show notes or on my social media pages. Anyways, hopefully this ad was fast enough, and thank you for listening. Back to the episode. A few months went by, and there were no signs of Don. His mom didn't hear from him, investigators didn't have any more leads, and it was as if he just vanished. With his truck still running in the middle of the road, in the middle of nowhere. Five months after Don's mysterious disappearance, possible sightings were reported. The first one was more than 150 miles away from where Don disappeared in Casper, Wyoming. The man said that he had seen someone resembling Don walking around a traveling exhibit of Abraham Lincoln memorabilia. From what I could find, it wasn't reported at the time about Don's research into Abraham Lincoln, so it does seem a little trouble that this person could have seen him at a Lincoln exhibit. But also, when the man reported this, it had been a few months since he'd seen him, so the time frame may have been off, he may have seen him before Don actually disappeared. So it could be Don just before he disappeared. The next reported sighting was just a little while later. A bartender in Casper contacted investigators. He was certain that Don was in his bar for a drink one evening. Now, neither of these sightings could be verified, but they were reported almost around the exact same time. And then something maybe even more bizarre happened. Judy Aiello, and I'm probably not pronouncing that name right, was a close friend of Don from New York. About five months after his disappearance, she was returning home from vacation. Judy found that there were six voice messages on her answering machine. The caller never left a name, but she was positive that the voice was Don's, and Don was someone that she had been good friends with. The messages started off along the lines of saying that he needed to talk to her. As the messages progressed, the caller sounded more panicked. He read a number out to have her call back. Judy called the number. A man answered. She asked if it was Don. Initially, he said yes, then quickly corrected, saying no. Judy asked if the man could have Don call her back. The man said yeah, then hung up. Judy never received another call. Judy turned this information over to Mary, who then turned it over to investigators. Investigators traced the number back to a mobile home in Casper, Wyoming. The house was being rented by a man named Mark Dennis. When investigators spoke to him, Mark denied making the phone calls. He denied answering the phone call from Judy, 
or ever meeting Dawn, but Mark had two suggestions as to what happened. Either the phone company made a mistake in getting numbers mixed up, which sounds a little weird, or that someone used his phone without him knowing, which sounds even stranger. This wasn't even a cell phone, which could have a higher chance of someone maybe being able to borrow it, but it was a landline phone. So someone would have had to have gone in his house, made these multiple calls to Judy without him knowing. Investigators also thought that this was odd. Mark agreed to do a polygraph test. The investigators described him as being cooperative and that he passed the polygraph. Mary Kemp disagreed with investigators on this. She believed that Mark either had something to do with Don's disappearance or he knew something more. She traveled to Wyoming herself to question him. When Mary tracked him down, Mark refused to talk to her. He then hired an attorney. In just three weeks, after initially being questioned by investigators, he moved away from Casper. Years began going by now, with no more sightings and no more phone calls. That was until 1986, when a group of hunters found a body just a few miles from where Don's vehicle was found abandoned. The body was later confirmed to be Don Kemp. But here's some more odd things. The body wasn't buried, wasn't under brush or thick areas of bushes. It was in an open field. This specific area of the field had been walked by investigators and flown over, but nothing was found at that time. An autopsy showed that there were no signs of foul play so the investigators concluded that Don wandered into the prairie in the cold and ended up dying due to the elements of the weather. As to how he wasn't found sooner, there's no real answer to that. Now, I should have warned you at the start of this episode that you're not going to like it. There aren't a lot of answers that have been released, and there are even more questions. Such as, what was the condition of Don's body when it was located? Did it appear that it could have been in the field for four years? Were there injuries to it that would seem like wildlife had messed with it? Also, the troopers followed a single set of footprints into the barn in that field. There was never any reports of footprints coming out of the barn in any sort of direction. Now, some of this next bit of information it has not been confirmed, but it has been reported on in various outlets. A supposed family member of Don's reported that the Smithsonian Institute examined his remains, and they estimated that he had only been dead for the last year or two when he was found. Now, the next thing is that Mary also questioned this investigation, citing that Don's truck was never processed for any evidence and that the footprints in the snow were never photographed or anything to compare them to Don's actual footprints. While there are still a lot of questions about this investigation and the results of it, this is where the conspiracy theories really start. The conspiracy centers around his research into Abraham Lincoln. Don's research notes were stolen on several different occasions and made their way around. 
As his truck was being driven home, it was broken into. Then later in the trip, as it was parked in an airport, it was broken into again. This time, some of his research papers were stolen. Later on, Mary's storage unit was broken into, and more of his things were stolen. The family turned over some of Don's research papers that probed into Lincoln's assassination to a historian, and some of them were turned over to an attorney named Frank Carrington. The historian shortly died in a motorcycle crash. On January 2nd, 1992, just a few months after receiving an award at the White House, Frank Carrington died in a house fire. Don's sister believes that Don came across something that was controversial in Abraham Lincoln's assassination. She said that Don met with a family member of Dr. Samuel Mudd, who was the doctor that treated John Wilkes Booth's injured leg after he escaped from the theater after the assassination. As to what the conversation with the relatives were, no one really knows. As of now, it's believed that all of Don's research papers have been either stolen or destroyed. Mary died in 2014, and up until her death, she believed that Don was a victim of a murder. She continued to believe that Mark Dennis knew more than what he said. As I mentioned earlier, there are a lot more questions than answers in this case. Was Don Kemp's death an accident? Was it a murder that wasn't related to his research at all? Or did his research lead him to a secret conspiracy that no one should know? With all of those questions in mind, this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. Thank you for listening. If you can, please give the show a like, rating, review, subscribe, and follow on Instagram. Facebook, and now TikTok at Crime Nerds Podcast. Thank you.